Hello and welcome to another Dutch football podcast from Football Adanya. I'm Michael Statham and I'm here with regulars James Rowe and Michael Bell as we discuss everything Dutch football, including the Dutch national team's recent victory over Portugal and bits and pieces on the Eredivisie as well. You are listening to us on either YouTube, SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can also download this podcast. Enjoy. Before we start, I'd just like to let listeners know that we're currently running a, a competition on uh, our YouTube channel. If you go to Football Anya on the YouTube channel, there is currently a competition to win a free Dutch football t-shirt. All you have to do is subscribe to our channel, comment which shirt you would like, watch the video and you'll see the choices, and then you're in with a chance of winning. Competition closes on the 7th of April. All right, then. We've just come back off uh, an international break where the Netherlands lost 1-0 at home to England and then beat Portugal 3-0 away, which was a big surprise victory and in the manner of it as well. Um, yeah, let's let's open the floor. So, guys, what did you think of the, the Portugal game? And especially off the back of the England disappointment. I think um, two games were just night and day, really. After the England game, you know, everything was pretty down about the Netherlands. You had total, like, all these articles coming out saying that Dutch football was dead, the way they played against England, and all the players were getting criticised. But against Portugal, you got to say that Koeman changed his formation to a 5-3-2, played the right players, and it worked perfectly. Um, you know, they soaked up that pressure from Portugal earlier on and just hit them on the counter, I think. It's amazing how well um, some of the players played, like Delict against Ronaldo, kept them quiet the whole game, even... He was getting frustrated and pushed Delict over at one point. Um, even Tony Valhena at left back, that was inspired. David Proper in midfield was excellent. And uh, up front, even Ryan Babel and Memphis Depay looked like a great combination with their pace. Um, I didn't see it coming. I thought Portugal were going to be too strong, but you know, it's a great win. It's a great start for Koeman. If he got two losses, everyone would be a bit down right now, but the win over Portugal makes it look like the future's brighter again. Yeah, I can I concur with my uh, with Mike. Um, I think the win in Portugal was a surprising uh, it was a surprising victory. Although from my point of view, the fact that it was played on a neutral ground in terms of um, a friendly game it can be quite telling. I, I think if that game was played in Lisbon or even in Porto, the scenario might have been a little bit different. But it's it's good to get a first. Um, a first win for Kuman under his belt. This, as I say, this is a long process. This is just the beginning. I thought David Pulipa, um had a great game and he's a, a great player and he should have started against England. I, I can't understand for the life of me why he didn't. And um, going back to the England game as well, that I was surprised that Verhorst didn't get longer than five minutes. You know, it, it, to be capped for the first time, you would have expected him to get at least 20. But um, yeah, it's a um, it's a good it's a good start, well, reasonable start really, and um, yeah, just hope hopefully with the upcoming matches in the summer that he can uh, he can carry on the the good work and the positive changes that have already been made by Kuman. Yeah, it's a good point you made about the the stadium. I didn't realise for a little while in the match that it was being played in in Switzerland, um, because of the way Portugal had the ball to start with. I was like, oh, this is a, you know it's Portugal at home, but. Yeah, the Netherlands took their chances. If you look at the stats, they only had four shots on target the entire match. Three of them were goals and one of them was a header that was saved by the Portuguese goalkeeper. Um, but it was a terrific match and I, when you look at the stats, you wouldn't have thought that 
the Netherlands actually played so well and outsmarted, outplayed the Portuguese. Um, what stood out for me was the way the Dutch players just knew exactly what they were doing on the pitch, especially on the back of that defeat to England because they knew where they were going to be on the pitch. It was a really rigid formation apart from the wing-backs which flew up and down the pitch. They knew where they had to be. They knew what they had to do. And De Ligt just handled, well, marshalled Ronaldo perfectly. I can't believe he's only 18. He's such a talent. Um, now, I have some questions. Uh, I, I, I'd like to open up with um, some questions from Abdul. Uh, he says that, first of all, the 5-3-2 is a brilliant plan. And we should stick to it at the moment because it works well. What do you two think? Um, is it the way forward? And if so, why? Why isn't a 4-3-3 the way forward anymore? And why does a 5-3-2 suit the players better? I think in the first instance, it just offers more security. Uh, Kuman, what with him being a defender himself and knowing the, uh, the strength of a strong defence, I think he wants to uh, put a good base uh, in the ground to, uh, to build from. But he's often said when he, during his unveiling as well that this is a team that's got to learn to play different systems within matches. And I think that they feel comfortable with 5-3-2 at the minute because the players themselves, even in a short space of time, they see progress is being made. They see uh, progress in terms of a, a good result in a friendly game in Geneva against Portugal. Um, there appears to be good camaraderie as well. I mean, if you think of the uh, the first squad made by Kuman, there wasn't one player that signed off through illness or, or, or injury or anything like that because they all wanted to see what Kuman would bring. They all wanted to be part of uh, the, new, uh, the new dawn, if you like, and, and that's a good sign. But I think the players themselves feel comfortable with 5-3-2 at the moment and I think they'll continue that as time goes on. But I think with um, with a look ahead to uh, the games in the autumn against Germany and France, I think that uh, Kuman will demand that the team are a little bit more adventurous and a bit a bit more expensive. I think if you look at the players and everyone's have now, you've got to say that the strongest talents are centre backs. You know, you've got De Ligt, De Vrij, and Van Dijk. They're everyone's probably three best players. Um, so you got to play them in the five three two. They all get the game. Um, Office security, we don't have really a holding midfielder anymore that can help, you know, keep it tight on a 4-3-3. Free, free. Um, that was a big problem um, with Strutman. Um, and the only thing I worry about is how is it going to adapt when Nervosans are playing a team that we should beat? Um, your next friend is up against Slovakia. Slovakia ain't going to come out and attack Holland and we're not going to soak up and hit them on the counter because they're going to sit deep. So then how does it work when we come up against another team that wants to defend? That's, I think, going to be the only question mark going forward. Agreed. That's one thing that stood out for me as well. Um, another thing I noticed was that it was Hans Hartable and Patrick Van Arnhout at wing-backs. Do you guys think that there's going to be um, players that will want to be in ahead of those two in future games when players are back from injury? And if so, who would you pick? I think with the 5-3-2, one player that interests me going forward um, is Daly St. Graven of Ajax. I think his passing ability and the fact that he was a midfielder and he's now been turned into a wing-back um, makes him a big prospect for the left wing-back slot. 
Um, you'd like to think Jetra Williams will get back to playing sometime soon. And if he can start firing in those crosses, then he becomes a big asset. Um, the worry is that Daley Blind comes back and Koeman doesn't really want to mess up the midfield because Van de Beek, Proper and Wijnaldum have such a good game. Um, does Daley Blind automatically just go back into the midfield? Or when Frankie de Jong comes back, um, then Koeman might just put Blind at left wing back, which won't be as effective. It's interesting you say that. I, I was thinking, something you put on Twitter the other day, Michael, uh, you said about the way Blint would come in back in. I call it the idea of having um, Blint or De Jong, seeing as De Jong has played centre-back for Ajax uh, as a ball-playing centre-back. Why can't Blint or De Jong play in that third centre-back role in the, in the centre and can then push forward and play those passes to more adventurous players? Because if you are playing a team like Savaki, maybe he's the right option with the wing-backs bombing forward and De Jong adding to that. It could be a way of releasing some of that pressure. Um, I'm not sure. And, and also for the right back, I, I thought of maybe Rick Karsdorp might want to come back in. Um, he used to be an attacking midfielder himself. He knows how to get those attacking moves going. And I, I think he might be the best option at right wing back going forward. I agree with the Rick Karsdorp uh, assessment. But it'd be interesting to see uh, how... Um the immense state of the injuries is saying it kept him out for a long long while i think he's still out as well actually or he's just um just coming towards the end of his uh of his injury term but he had a wonderful season with final when they uh when they won the eredivisie and he's a very very competent uh defender as well and he can he can add um he can add a lot going forward, but I think from my point of view hans Hartable, who had a, quite a decent game against England in my opinion, um, with him being a natural right-back and um, and Koeman wanting to put the players in the right position, I would like to see Hans Harterball get an extended run in the, in the team and, uh, and and build up a fair few caps as time goes on. Yeah, he's been scouted by Borussia Dortmund, I believe, at the moment. And fair enough, because he's done very well for Atlanta since signing for them from Cloningen. Justin Clavert made his debut... Uh, and his and the international break. I just wondered what you two thought of his performance and how long it will be before he's a, a regular in the national team and does he fit in? I think his performance, he only got, say, 10 minutes, was encouraging. Um, there was one run where he got in behind the defence. His pass was just a bit too close to the goalkeeper or, or, and it would have reached till for him to score an easy goal. Um, going forward, he's definitely an option for a national team I think he's going to come up. Maybe Bergvine might get ahead of him a few squads. But I think right now he's been a bit overhyped in media around Europe. Not necessarily in the Netherlands, but around Europe he's definitely been... I think just because of who his dad is. Um, if he didn't have Patrick Clyver his dad, I don't think he'd be getting the attention around Europe that he's getting at the moment. Um, his performances for Ajax recently have been much better. He didn't start the season very well. But he's starting to come of age and I think next season is going to be vital for him I hope his head doesn't grow a bit large and he decides to seek a move away to say the Premier League this summer because I think that would be totally wrong for him I think he needs another at least one year or two years at Ajax and he needs to bulk up get a bit bigger get a bit stronger get his confidence even bigger and then he's ready for a move abroad and he's definitely not ready for one right now 
I think coming on as a sub for Memphis Depay and making his debut against Portugal gives uh, Venevolence an outlet in that respect going forward. I've watched him firsthand this season for Ajax and was there last November when he scored a hat-trick against the LDSA. Um, and it was uh, in that 5-1 win and for him to take such responsibility in that game because, you know, for, for such a young player um, at the age of 18 to really want to pull his team over the line to get back into the game and then go on and win it by a country mile was uh, was admirable really but um, yeah I agree with Mike I think um, one or two seasons more in the Netherlands and maybe a potential move naturally Kleiber his, his father Patrick Kleiber is a big name you know has an illustrious history at club level and international level so of course he's he's been involved in those circles since a very very young age and they also been capped under 15 all the way through to under 21 level so he's no stranger to the Dutch national team setup but um yeah i think uh, i think he's had a good season and uh, it's a good base upon which to work from and it's um be interesting to see how he's guiding guided in future i think let's see how he gets on in the next 2 3 years at ajax if he can really get his head down there and really put some effort in like he can become a star player in, in the Dutch league then for the national team then see what happens I really hope he gets off social media a little bit too because he's become a little bit heady in terms of that side of life and I just hope that he can really focus on football and not what's outside of it uh, back to Abdul's questions his list that he has right here um, we've all praised the performance against Portugal but is there any player that you think did not impress um, in the Portugal game not Really, for me, um, second half, maybe Tony Valhena came into a bit of trouble. Um, but I'd rather look at the England game and say that the players that didn't impress um, were Kevin Strootman and definitely Bas Dost. Um, he definitely didn't take his chance. Maybe he didn't get the service from the wingers that he should have got. You know, Promise and Memphis still like to cut inside instead of crossing. Um, it doesn't help Bas Dost, but I don't think, even when they're kicking balls he wasn't holding it up he was giving it away constantly um, and he was probably the biggest disappointment for me of the international break along with Kevin Strutman yeah I agree I don't think those um, two players covered, covered themselves in glory I think Quincy Pérez as well although he's a very good player I think he's a confidence player I think when his confidence is up you really see it and when he's uh, suffering a bit confidence wise he seems to dip but um, yeah, it'd just be interesting to see um, with future squads going forward because um, by the same token, the game in Amsterdam could have well been a draw and uh, Koeman's reign would have started with uh, two games unbeaten. But uh, to win one and to lose one isn't that bad. And um, I think we'll see surprises in different squads as time goes on. I think uh, Koeman will enjoy taking his time in assessing players that are on form, uh, assessing what needs to be addressed within the team and it's it's, it's a long uh, it's a long road ahead you know this is just the beginning and uh Koeman's said himself this is a job right up until uh, Qatar 2022 and he's adamant that he wants uh, the Netherlands to compete and make a very good impression in the run up to qualifying for Euro 2020 absolutely uh, i might link these last two questions together from Abdul uh, do you think we can still use Robin van Persie and are there any other players you think Ronald Koeman should select for the next friendlies? Because would Van Persie be in that bracket for both of you two? I personally say no. I think he's 
too too old now, and he, he's not even fit for a whole game for Feyenoord. Um, so why should we call it for the Netherlands? As for any of the players that should be selected for the next friendlies, the only player that comes to my mind might be Frank de Jong. But James, Michael, what do you think? If I was to give uh, two suggestions going forward, uh, I would look at Marco van Ginkel and I would look at Jürgen Lokaria of uh, Brighton and Hove Albion. Because I think both of those players have, got, have still got a lot to give. Both of, them, both of them are also relatively young as well. So um, going forward, monitoring their uh, their club level and their club form, I would like to see them brought into the squad uh, for the summer. Um, the only thing about Van Persie is he's not really playing as a striker anymore for Feyenoord, um, which is a bit interesting. He's playing as an attacking midfielder. If he keeps adapting to that position, maybe he could be useful for Netherlands um, with his technique and his, his passing ability as well. But going forward, I want to see definitely Frankie de Jong and Jurgen Otadia, definitely. He's perfect for a 5 3 2 formation with his pace and his strength up front. Um, I'd also like to see Steven Bergwijn. Um, I thought it was strange when Kuman said in his press conference that he didn't pick Bergwijn because he's less of a winger than Cliver, um, more of a less of a natural winger because he spoke to the under-21 coach who uses Bergwijn for the middle and then so he didn't select him because he didn't want to use him for the middle but then he picked a 5-3-2 where he would play that way um, which I thought was a bit strange so I'd like to see him if he continues his form for PSV A good point there because they, they, they're not playing with natural wings at the moment and Kuma knew he was going to play 5 at the back for a, a long time I think um, unless he thinks in future that he could play an attacking winger uh, as as part of his five at the back, but that's a bit awkward. And I've only really seen Chelsea do that, where they would play like Pedro at wing back, but he didn't really look he, as if he was natural in that position at all. Um, and speaking of that, actually, question from Farry: Do you think Kuman placed Kvilhena at left back uh, for man marking a particular player, for example Cristiano Ronaldo, or does Kuman see him purely as a left back, um, for example? Vilhena almost got an assist um, when he set up Depay with that header. Uh, I do believe that Ronaldo's playing on the left and going for the middle. Uh, I don't think that Vilhena was meant to mark him, but he did do a great job getting forward, didn't he? Um, on that left wing. He has played left back for Feyenoord in the past, but again, it's, def <clears throat> it's definitely not his position. And defensively, I wouldn't say he's the, the finest player. But what, what do you two think? Do you think he is, this is a, a future position for him? Do you think Final might start to play him at left-back as well? No, I don't think so. I think this is a, a mid, primarily a midfielder who's played almost 200 times for Final in total. And in an attacking sense, for his own skill and his own development, I think it's important for him to stay in his current position. In the uh, in the recent past, Vilhena was linked with a move to Serie A side um, Sampdoria, and he was quite close, but due to personal reasons, that didn't happen. But I think him going forward at the age of 23, he will think that he will have more of a chance to, to make a step up to uh, a different European league and continue his development if he remains in his current position in midfield yeah I totally agree with James um, he needs to stay as a midfielder defensively he's not strong enough really but 
it was an experiment by Cumin. He only called up one left back um, in Van Anholt. He tried it with Galhena. It worked for the first half. And his passing ability was definitely an asset going forward. But I think in the squads to come, we'll see actual natural left backs getting called up. Yeah, I'd hope so too. Uh, question from Vic. Uh, Danny van der Beek and Matthijs de Ligt stood out for him. Uh, should we expect De Jong in future call-ups or any of the under-21s for midfield? That's a good question. And we have covered this a little bit already about which players should we see in future call-ups. But I did see that the under-21s um, were not doing very well, well recently in, in their fixtures. Michael, I don't suppose you want to fill us in on how they're getting on. Uh, are there any midfielders that could potentially step into the national side from, from there? Um, the under-21s are captained by Bart Ramsler, who already has Netherlands caps and could definitely step up in the future. Um, they weren't impressive. I think it mainly comes down to coaching. Um, Art Langelaer decided to, pay, to pick Bergwijn for the middle. Um, it didn't work at all against Belgium. Um, Netherlands dominated mostly possession, but couldn't do anything going forward and got beat 4-1. Um, and then against Andorra, Again, he picked Bergvine through the middle. They scraped a 1-0 win, uh, thanks to a free kick. Uh, he changed in the second half and brought on Sam Lammers, but you know, I just think Langler, he's not really impressed me so far as in his time as under-21 boss. We're not, you know, we're second in the group to England at the moment. We lost to Scotland, who lost to Andorra. Um, you know, it's not great. Uh, but going forward, there is some talents that are in there. That could make the step up. I've already said Bergvine, um, Adrissi on the left wing, and Ramsar through the middle. I would argue that there's not a lot of um, central midfield talent at the moment, only because Bartler Ramsar has been on the periphery of the national side, but I don't think he's properly pushed on since moving from Utrecht to PSV. Um, uh, what was it a year ago? And I'm just not sure that he's going to make that final step to really make an impact on the international stage. Um, the fact that he's a captain shows that maybe he's their best player as well, coming from that generation, maybe along with Berkvine. Um Is this arguably a last generation, this side? If I can just elaborate on um, on Michael's point about Arthur Langler, this was a man that won the first division with Swallow, and got promoted to the Eredivisie, and after one season of consolidation... Left to become, um, left to become um, the head of the uh, youth development at PSV Eindhoven. Um, I agree with Mike. He's not really enamoured himself uh, as the um, as the as a decent manager who can bring players on. But also, if you look at their previous list of his successors, you've got the likes of Fred Grimm, uh, Adrie Costa, Albert Stauffenberg. And you could, if you go back to the reign that Fubba de Haan had when he was in charge of the under-21s from 2004 to 2009, that was the last real manager they had that was really bringing in player after player, not just in terms of the development for the players themselves, but players that can be of use to the full Dutch national team. And I think that's um, the, the talent is there. But I think maybe the uh, under twenty ones might well um, might well be served better by a manager with slightly more experience and a bit more of an aura 
in uh, in being able to uh, create a path for these young players to go from the under twenty ones to the Dutch national team in a in a seamless way. I think um, it's not a lost generation because you've got to think that there's some players that are actually in the national team that would be part of this under twenty one side. So you got Justin Cliver, Gus Till, and um, Delict. They're all part of this generation that would be if say Netherlands under twenty ones had to win a game going forward, maybe Cumin would allow these players to go down, drop down to the younger rounds to try and get them to that European Championships. I think all four of them would improve this side greatly. That's a really good point. And I, I didn't think about that one. So yeah. Uh moving on from that to Vic's second question. He doesn't think that Vinealdum really impressed him, uh in those both those two friendlies. In the England match, I would agree with Vic. I don't think Wijnaldum was there at all in midfield. Him and Stoltman were pretty anonymous. The Portugal win, was he maybe the weakest player on the pitch or did you see an improvement from Wijnaldum? I definitely saw an improvement. Um, his dribbling, especially, he kept the ball a lot better than he did against England. I think he was a bit bullied against England. Um I think he shrugged off the ball constantly, but against Portugal, he actually went on some good runs, which helped us to get forward on the pitch. Um, I do think he was probably the weakest player on the pitch, performance-wise, but that's just because there were so many standouts. I think, um, going back to my point earlier, what I said about Qu- uh, Quincy Promes, I think the same can be said of um, Van Aldum, that he's, uh, he's very much a confidence player. I've spoken to many... Dutch professionals who have played with him in the international setup and also at club level, and all he's he's rated by all his fellow internationals that have played with him. I've spoken to players that, when I asked them about the best players they've played with, his name always crops up. Even players that have, are now playing in different countries. But I think maybe under Jurgen Klopp, Wijnaldum received so much confidence and uh, and so much. Um, fully motivated and, and using the right words and, and knowing what to say whereas maybe with um, with a new manager um, that Van Alden thinks will you know will, will I get the same um, uh, care and attention for example so uh, yeah I think going back to my point earlier I think it's uh, Van Alden is also a confidence player in that respect um, As a final point on Van Alden the fact that you say he's a confidence player um, I'm looking at his goal goals right now for the Netherlands. He scored three in three games in the summer of 2016. And then he went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games without a goal, scored against Luxembourg, and since then hasn't scored another eight games. So that's one goal in 17 games for his country. And I feel like that's what Vijnaldum brings to the game when you watch Vijnaldum play for PSV, Newcastle, he went on runs where he scored plenty of goals from the position just behind the striker and he was really effective. And that's what we all like to see from a player like Vijnaldum playing in that 10 position. But yeah, one goal in 17 games and that goal being against Luxembourg tells you a lot about how he's playing at the moment for the national team. Uh, next question. A player who's becoming a little bit forgotten at the moment is Vincent Janssen. So Jordan asks... Should and could Vincent Janssen return to the area de Vizier? And if so, what club would suit him best? My personal opinion, I think Ajax would suit him best. 
I think with uh, Huntelaar's contact finishing at the end of this season, I think that would be a very shrewd move. Um, you could also say about PSV, I don't think Feyenoord would come into the reckoning because during his youth career he spent four years at Feyenoord and Feyenoord were never really completely convinced and uh, I don't think he's forgotten that. So I think if, uh, if, um, if a move back to the Netherlands is muted, I think that Vincent Janssen, Janssen himself would look at maybe Ajax or PSV. But if I had to say which club would suit him best, I think, um, I think he would suit uh, Ajax currently, yes. I don't think he's going to come back to the Netherlands anytime soon. Um, I think there's, there'll be enough clubs that would probably take a, a punt on him. Um, I think clubs in Germany, a couple in France maybe, even Italy, I think they would go for him. Um, I don't think at this point in his career he would consider going back to the Netherlands, but if he did, the only club I could really see him at is, is PSV at the moment. I think if Luke de Jong left, then they would look for a new striker and he would fit the role. I think at Ajax, they've got Dolberg, they've got Huntelaar, and I really want to see Seerhus going forward, getting a chance. Um, he scores goals for fun at the Young Ajax in the second division. I think he's pushing for a first-team call-up next season. I think that Ajax wouldn't go for him either because of the reasons you stated, Michael. Um, Dolberg, Seerhaus. And I think his, his best shot would be at RZ if he went back to his old club. Um, it would only be a loan, of course. I don't think RZ would ever be able to purchase him. But having failed with Spurs, Fenerbahce hasn't gone well for him. Um, I just think that the next step back there would be to go back to the Netherlands and why not with RZ if they've qualified for the Europa League, for example. I'm not sure if a team such as Ajax, PSV or Final will want to really take a punt on Janssen. I know that it is he will be playing back in the Netherlands. Um, well, the defences aren't the best, but I think they'd rather bring through one of their own strikers or rely upon a striker who's a a bit more alive on the on, on continental stage, personally. Um, do, you, do you two think that he'll be back in the reckoning for the national team? Because he's always played his best games for the Netherlands. So, is Koeman like to take that punt on him? Does he fit into the system? Eventually, I think he will. I think, I, I think he's just waiting to see what happens to him at club level. The reason why I stated Ajax instead of PSV, personally, is because... The contract of Huntelaar is um, is currently expiring and there's no news with regards to an extension. Uh, Dolberg, um, when his move to Monaco fell through right at the last knockings of the summer transfer window because Ajax couldn't find a replacement, he was uh, quite affected by that. And he, um, he you know, was a bit, a bit disillusioned thinking, you know, will the chance ever come? So I think if someone comes in for Dolberg this summer, I think that that might be that. So the door may well be open uh, for uh, Vincent Janssen in that respect. So we'll just have to wait and see. I think a fit Vincent Janssen who's playing, if it's at Fenerbahce, um, and all rumours in Turkey are saying that they want to extend his loan for next season. Um, if he stays there, if he gets his form back, then yes, he's everyone's number one striker choice going forward. I was surprised to see Ryan Barbell, um continuously getting games for Netherlands. Isn't there a be better striker than, than Babel, considering he's not a natural striker, he's more of an attacking midfielder. But I suppose into his later years, he's lost that little bit of pace in the wing. Um, 
what why is why why is he important and in Cumin's eyes do you think I think Cumin is is rewarding the fact that he's been on tremendous form for Besiktas and Cumin is just rightly piecing together a squad of players that are on form and players that can do a job I mean Barbo has scored some very important goals for Besiktas um this season and was influential in their run to the Champions League last 16 and um, I think Koeman looking at all the different options he has and looking at players on form I, I don't see I think Koeman didn't see any problem in picking Barbel you know he has uh, he's also very well experienced in the past with um, with um, Deportivo La Coruña and Liverpool and uh, yeah it's just a reward for current form I would say yeah, I agree. He's he's playing well for his club level. He's done that for the past couple of years. He was really good at Deportivo before he moved to Turkey. And he played against Portugal and he played well for me. Um, you know, his header was put on a plate for him by De Ligt, But throughout the game, his, his movement was his, was good. His hold-up play was good. You know, I've got no complaints. If he keeps up his club form, if he's in the squads, then he's another option. He's a, probably a better option than Bas Dost at the moment. Fair enough. Uh, final question this week um, comes from Gareth. Do you think that Murray Stein would be a good fit for Heerden Vane? Now, a little bit of background. Murray Stein is the VVV Venlo uh, manager in the Eredivisie and he's done tremendously well this season. Uh, he's got his newly promoted side in mid-table. They they do fantastic against the bigger sides in particular. They, they play with great tactics um, and would, would a, a bigger club such as Heerden Vane be a really good choice for him to make a step up in terms of the league? Now, James has met Maurice before. Um, one of, in my opinion, one of his best interviews um, for Football Anya. So, James, thank do you, you think much. that Stein would be a, a good fit for Heerden Vane? Uh, first off, uh, Michael, thank you for the nice compliment. That's very nice. Um, yeah, I think he, I think he would be a good, good fit for Hero Rain. But to give the uh, listeners, um, to bring them right up to date with the current state of play, Maurice Stein has confirmed that he's been approached by a club, but he doesn't wish to name names due to, um, to he want, the fact that he wants Favor Favor Low to first secure their safety before anything is uh, is brought out in the open. He's also admitted that he's spoken with the chairman. And that um, if a decent offer is received for Stein and it's something that Stein wants and the compensation is good, that the club will not stand in, in, his, in his way. One thing that is very telling is that Stein has been at the club for four years and it would be if he was to remain um, at Vapor Faithenlow and see out his contract, that would be five years. And he stated about how the club goes forward in the fifth year are the... Um, are the, play, are the players still um, are, they, are they still open to his ideas? Is there a still ability for the uh, for the squad to move forward? He still believes the squad has uh, has ability and has perspective in in that respect. With the news of what's happened with Ipswich today, with them confirming that um, Mick McCarthy will not be managing next season. I'm secretly hoping that uh, that Stein will take over for Mick McCarthy at Ipswich, because although uh, there are opportunities for him here in Benevolence, I think that would be a wonderful opportunity for him, and I think he would take it with both hands. I remember when I interviewed him last August, and he said to me, "My career finished through injury at the age of 27, so I never had the opportunity to go abroad." 
and um, so it's something he would definitely be open to should everything be right um, but I think he's um, I think we'll definitely see him managing a uh, another club next season I'm really keep a keen eye on it I, I think he's um, I think he's really going places I think if you think of the good work he did at Arden and Haag and the, the good work he's done at Faith of Venlo the last four years he's still only 44 I mean he can he, he always likes to stay at a club for a certain amount of time and um, I can definitely see him uh, taking a step up I hope personally it's to, it's to Ipswich because I think you'll really see um, you'll really see him working in a good academy because Ipswich have always had a good academy um, he would with his visions of, of bringing young players on I think that would uh, that would bear fruit but um, should be very interesting I think personally we'll either see him at a bigger club in Eredivisie or we may well see him at Ipswich we'll just have to wait and see Well gentlemen unless there's anything else you want to add this week in terms of the Dutch national team or the Eredivisie thank you um, Just to let the listeners know you've got final at Excelsior this weekend coming up You've got um, PSV at home to NUC. Uh, and for the listeners, um, my interview with the NUC player um, at Outback, Fabian Sporksklader, is uh, is now available on the site to read where he speaks about the um, the mentality that NUC player have going into the last six games of the season and hoping to avoid relegation. So uh, pleased to have the Eredivisie back this weekend and uh, should be many a twist and turn ahead in the next six games. Yeah, and a few announcements as well. Uh, there should be two more interviews up from myself in the coming week. you have to see who they are. And there's a, currently a, a competition on our YouTube channel, so check out the video on that. Competition closes 7th of April, so if you're still listening in that week of time, then you're not too late and get entering. 